welcome to the Art Engager podcast with me, Claire Bowne. I'm here to share techniques and tools to help you engage with your audience and bring art, objects and ideas to life. So let's dive into this week's show. And welcome back to the Art Engager podcast. I'm your host, Claire Bowne of Thinking Museum, and this is episode 68. So today I have a guest. I'm really happy to be talking to Marina Gross-Hoy about her work. We're talking about how to look, and in particular, how to look at your daily life as if you were looking at a work of art. But before that, last week I was talking about your information mindset and how to embrace the power of information. I shared six main problems with sharing contextual information and provided you with some coaching questions to help you work out how you really feel about sharing your knowledge. So if you haven't already, do go back and listen to episode 67. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so. You can treat me to a cup of tea on buymeacoffee.com forward slash Claire Bound. I'll put a link in the show notes. And if you like this podcast, please do go and give us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts. And if you really love it, if you would take the time to write a short review, I'd really appreciate it. It really does help. Thank you. So let me introduce my guest this week. Marina Gross-Hoy is a Museum Studies PhD candidate and a writer. Her doctoral research at the University of Quebec in Montreal focuses on the development of digital interpretation projects for museum visitors. She has a master's in museology from the École du Louvre and she's previously worked on the education team at the Agence France Museums, the French agency that supported the creation of the Louvre Abu Dhabi. Marina's writing, which is wonderful, explores what looking at art can teach us about seeing the art of our ordinary lives. Now, in today's episode, Marina shares how one evening in 2020, she realised that she would look more closely into a painting of a sunset than looking at the one right in front of her. And this led her to experimenting with what it would mean to look at her life like a work of art, using what she started calling the museum gaze. So in this episode, Marina shares the main characteristics of the museum gaze and how it works in practice. We also talk about the numerous benefits we can glean from a regular practice of looking at life in this way. So here is our chat. Enjoy. Hi, Marina. Welcome to the Art Engager podcast. Thank you. It's such a pleasure to be here and to get to talk to you. Oh, I'm delighted we could find the time to chat. Uh, I think we have a lot in common and I look forward to hearing all about it. But could you start by telling us what it is that you do and how you came to be doing what you're doing? Yes. So I'm currently finishing up a PhD in museum studies at the University of Quebec in Montreal. And what I'm studying is what happens when museum teams work with tech companies to create digital interpretation tools for visitors. And I'm really hoping that by looking at the perspective of experts in tech, that I can learn about the intersections of museum interpretation and the visitor experience 
with digital maturity and digital imagination within museum teams. Uh, so that's where I spend a lot of my intellectual energies right now. But how I got there was quite a long path. I started, I'm actually from the States, but I moved to Paris to do a master's in museum studies uh, at the Ecole du Louvre. And I discovered that I have this passion for qualitative research in museums. And there I was studying really the museum interpretation. So what happens when visitors are in front of an object and how museums can uh, facilitate meaningful experiences there. So I was really studying that. And after I finished, I got a job at the Agence France Museum, which is the Parisian uh, agency that was helping the development of the Louvre Abu Dhabi uh-huh. before it opened. Uh, so that was a really exciting time where I got to um, learn about uh, museums in both France and the Emirates, and then to work with a lot of education professionals from museums in uh, Paris. So that was really exciting as uh, this American starting her professional career in Paris. And after that, yeah, yeah, it was really to see different cultural approaches to museums and visitors. It it was really opened my eyes to what the field can be when different perspectives are coming together. And then I left uh, Paris to come back to North America to start my PhD in Montreal. And then I, I had a job as a project manager for a tech company. And it was a company that that makes augmented reality experiences in collaboration with museums for visitor experiences. And that was another opportunity for me to, I, I worked with over 10 museums across North America to create experiences using digital tools for their visitors and to see the different approaches of different museum teams to this question of what happens when a visitor encounters an object. It was so interesting to see how they approached interpretation, but also the digital side of things and to see what happened when, you know, curators, museum educators were having conversations with our programmers and our specialists. And it was almost like different languages coming together with different uh, backgrounds and professional experiences. And so that's what really sparked this idea for my PhD research is what can we learn uh, about museum interpretation from all of these different perspectives working together and different ideas for what interpretation, you know, looking at an object and what the potential for digital tools to facilitate that or not can be. Amazing. So um, just a wealth of experience there already and travels as well, living in mm. France, having been brought up in the US, now living in Canada. And mm. so many links with the subject of this podcast about we're all about engagement, how people engage with objects, with art, how people engage with the museum space, with museum educators, with each other. Um, So lots and lots of links there. But our paths crossed quite recently. And I came across your work through your writing and your Instagram page. And I was fascinated by some of the things you were writing about how to learn to look and in particular, looking at life as you would do like a work of art. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Mm, Yeah, yeah, it's been such a pleasure to 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 connect with you and talk about this because we both, I think, see the potential of looking closely at the everyday as much as with a work of art in a museum. And so what happened with me? is I had a moment at the beginning of the pandemic, so summer 2020, 
where I was actually, I went, it was evening and I was taking out this big bag of diapers uh, for my toddler son to the bin outside of our small apartment. And I looked up and there was this huge panoramic sunset stretching across the sky. Clouds looked like mountains, colors that were changing. And the thought that came to me was, this would be so beautiful if this were a painting. And I realized, oh, I would spend more attention looking at a painting than I was spending with the details of my daily life. And that felt so sad to me. And it really highlighted the disconnect I felt with my lived experience. Um, it was the height of the pandemic. There was so much fear. Our son's daycare was closed. So my PhD program was on pause so that I could care for him full time. And just, it was a really challenging time for me. And I felt like there wasn't a lot of room for me in my own life. And like, I wasn't connected to the life I was living. I was living someone else's life. And that just felt so sad. Um, but also I was really tired and didn't have any flexibility. And so I couldn't make a project out of it or really change anything. But I realized I had agency over how I looked at my life. I couldn't make big changes yet, but I could shift how I was paying attention to it. So that really started this, this question for me of what does that mean? to look at my life with the same careful attention I would use with art in a museum. So interesting. And it, it immediately rings bells about uh, some of the things I've written about in the past, uh, having a daily slow, slow looking practice, which can help us as educators. If we're, we know how to look ourselves, if we are on a daily basis, slowing down, noticing details, being more um, intentional about the way we look at things, then that surely will help us when we come into the museum and we're in front of artworks and we're with groups of people as well. So could you tell me sort of how does it work in practice? I know you talk about the museum gaze. Mm. Uh, perhaps you could explain that to our listeners. Yes. So that's what I started calling it to myself, the museum gaze. When it just, it was talking about that careful attention that we use when we're in a museum, our eyes are open and we're ready for an experience. So I started playing with that. Uh, so it's about, I guess it's two years now at this point. And what that starts with is opening, opening yourself to the experience. Because when you go to a museum, you go to a museum, you, you've gone into a new space and you don't just find yourself there. So there's this expectation that you're in a place where experience can happen. And that might be that some you're really thinking it might be really boring, or it might be that your eyes are primed and looking for things that will just completely wow you. But there's some expectation that something, some sort of experience could happen. So that's true when we're looking in our daily lives, um, you know, looking at the dishes or the grocery store. There's a slight opening ourselves of ourselves up to the possibility that something interesting or new can be in these familiar everyday things. And then there's also the, the the quality of attention we pay. And this is where a lot of our our work that you talk about on your podcast and in your work about slow looking comes into play. So it's giving yourself over to the moment, giving it your full attention, slowing down, committing to take a moment with what's in front of you. Um, and by doing so, by giving it your full attention, you also open yourself again to being surprised by what you're looking at, to, to open yourself that there might be something that will be revealed in something that you've looked at a million times. 
Uh, and so this leaves a way you, you can look at familiar things in new ways. Um, so that's really important too, the quality of attention, slowing down and really opening ourselves up. Oh yeah, uh, so another way to engage with this experience, like if you're in a museum and there's a painting that you're looking at, a great entry point can be at the, looking at the visual elements. So paying attention to the colors that you see, what, what palettes are there, what are they energetic colors, are they calm colors? You can look at the light. Where is the light coming from around you? What is it moving? Is it making shadows? Is it reflecting off of surfaces? Can you feel the warmth on your skin? You can also look at composition. You can look at movement, lines, all sorts of visual elements that you would use with art. You can also use uh, looking around you at daily life. And so besides just the visual, because we are embodied beings, we can also think about our bodies in this space. How are we relating to this space we're looking at? Are we looking up, looking down? What posture are we in? And another fun way to play with our bodies is to respond to what we're seeing through movement. And this is something that some museums are starting to work on, um, offering programs that encourage you, for example, to mimic a statue or a figure in a painting. So responding to what we're seeing with our bodies. And that can be something that you try in your daily life. I uh, walk in forests a lot in my life right now, and often there aren't very many people around. So that's a, a, an opportunity for me to, to practice maybe making the shape of a tree or walking in interesting ways. It's a really fun way to, to really engage with your full body with what you're, with what you're experiencing. And at the same time, while we're paying attention to our bodies, that can also be a time to look inwards and see if see how we're feeling, seeing if any emotions are presenting themselves, even in our bodies. I know when I feel anxiety, I feel it in a certain place in my body or fear or sadness or joy. So gazing inwards as well to see what's going on in our internal environments. And another great entry point to think about paying attention to our lives is to pay attention to narratives. So like with a work of art, you would think about uh, you might create stories about what you're seeing, about what's depicted, what's what's going on there, how it's depicted, maybe any judgments you have about what you're seeing. And so that can be an interesting way to look at our own experience, to look at what stories we're telling ourselves about ourselves in that experience and see if there are other ways we could frame the thoughts we're having. Like if your mind is really racing uh, and you can't really calm down and you're maybe judging yourself for not being able to be calm in this moment of slow looking and contemplation, another way to reframe that same moment is to say, oh, I'm taking a moment for myself. Good job. Or, oh, it's hard to have these judgmental thoughts. And that can be an invitation to go into self-compassion and mindfulness in the midst of, of racing thoughts and discomfort. So these thank are you. all just tools. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank you for sharing those. I couldn't help thinking when you were talking, you're going through all those different characteristics that there's a kind of almost like an arc of uh, the process from that kind of opening up and slowing down mm -hmm. through kind of tools that we can use to, to help us sort of look at the different visual elements we can see around us and then more going inwards as well thinking about our senses and becoming aware of the internal dialogue the monologue that's going on mm. in our heads 
and reframing that as well. So yeah, she painted a lovely picture of a, a real arc there of being able to sort of look in this particular way. Mm, yeah, and it really how you mentioned it's looking out, but also looking in. Yeah. Both our senses, but also our mental states and emotions. That makes it such a rich practice in our personal lives. And so would you recommend that listeners uh, practice this on a regular basis? Uh, are there any sort of recommendations to gain the maximum benefits from this? Oh, I think you said it. That, that's exactly it. It's that it's a regular practice. And it doesn't have to be a big deal. It can be a big walk where it's dedicated just to this. But it can also be practicing in the midst of stressful moments, boring moments, just to practice that gentle shift in attention. And by doing that over and over, that's where the benefits come from, because you're training your eye to be on alert, to be primed to see interesting and new and beautiful things in everyday life. And you really do start to notice it. I would say noticing wonder is something that happens regularly for me now. That experience of being surprised by something beautiful or profound. Just last night, I was getting a glass of water and there was this battery operated candle in our kitchen that was on a timer. And it was just, I was floored. It was the most beautiful thing to see the light of this candle going through a vase of flowers and the shadows and the lights dancing on the ceiling. And it was just amazing. It was one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen, but I had the eyes for it now because I practice looking for wonder. And I think also it's really made a big impact in my self-compassion practice and my mindfulness practice, because as we talked about that gaze inward is something I'm also practicing regularly, checking in saying, how am I doing? Um, what do I need right now? Is there any way I could find a taste of that where I am right now? Uh, so practicing taking care of myself and checking in with what's really going on, which can be so easy to miss sometimes when we're so yeah. busy or we have demands on us. So it's definitely a, a form of very powerful self-care. And it's also really powerful because we live in a world right now where our attention is a commodity. It's worth money to different companies. Uh, it can be used as a tool to influence us, to even control us in certain levels. So it's a very powerful act to be intentional with how we pay attention. So by practicing in little ways, being aware of where we're paying attention and how and deciding if that's what we want to do and shifting that, that is an act of power that can eventually, yes, it starts in our own lives, but it can spread out to our communities and even our societies uh, to how we look at that and how we want to engage in our, in our, in our lives in big ways as well. Oh yeah, some some wonderful benefits. And I'm not arguing with any of those. I was nodding along, but you know, mm -hmm. just thinking about the seeing the extraordinary in the ordinary, having that feeling of wonder and awe. Um, and that will translate into your practice as well, into your work with groups. You'll be able to, it will be contagious, that sort of curiosity that you have for looking in detail at objects and artworks will rub off on your group. So not only is this a practice that will benefit you personally, as you said, it will spread out and benefit the people that you're working with and the groups that you're connecting with as well. Mm, definitely. When, as you said, it's contagious. So when you're, even in museums, I've noticed, I'm looking at them differently. I'm looking at the art differently, but also 
the light fixtures in the museums or the machines that monitor, monitor humidity. And when you're bringing that level of curiosity to every aspect of the museum visit as a visitor or as someone leading a group, it's just contagious. It's something people are hungry for that and they'll be excited to to be inspired to do that in new ways. Absolutely. Yeah. And it helps our creativity as well, feeds mm-hmm. new ideas constantly by being open to that curiosity. So mm. perhaps you would be very kind to share an exercise that perhaps our listeners could do. Yes, definitely. And I would, you know, I would say that you have so many resources already for incorporating routines for slow looking uh, into daily life that especially you have a whole podcast episode dedicated to that. So I'm going to offer something that complements all of the tools that you've already offered listeners, which is to, as you open, open yourself to this type of attention, to go in with two questions. And the first question is, what do I need right now? So as you're slowing down, you're paying attention outwardly to start looking inward and think, what do I need? And it might be something big. It might be, I need a new job or I need deeper community around me. And it might be really small. It might be, I need a glass of water. I need to stretch. Either way, that's, that's great. That's, that's really good um, to be aware of that. And as you sit with that, ask yourself a second question, which is where can I find that right here? So probably you won't find a new job or, or, or the answer to something that you need in this moment but maybe you can find a glimpse of that. So if you need community, maybe what you can look for in that moment is connection. So maybe you can you can feel the, the ground underneath you being solid. You can see uh, two trees wrapped around each other. You can feel the wind against you connecting. So there are, there are ways to find glimpses of what you need, even if it's a big thing in the moment. And this is so powerful because it's a way of integrating what uh, taking care of ourselves in the moment and not deferring our okayness until we can get these big things, but to practice taking care of ourselves, being aware of what we need in the moment. And it just, it's, it's always really fun too, because I'm always surprised by what I find when I do this. Uh, It's not what I expect it will be. And it always feels good. And it's, it's a creative, uh, creative practice too. Uh, As new things come to you, and it's a delight. It's a delight. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Um, I'm sure that our listeners will have a go and uh, will share with us uh, what uh, insights and inspiration they got from uh, trying out that exercise. So thank you for exploring with us today what art, what an artwork, what art can teach us about looking at our daily life. Could you share with us how listeners can find you, how they can reach out to you? Where are you on the web? <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, I have a website, with, which is the my home on the web, which is marinagrosshoy.com, all one word. And then also I write about these ideas on my newsletter, uh, which is called The Museum Gaze, and that can be found at marinagrosshoy.substack.com. And uh, as we met on Instagram, that's also a place I I hang out and I'm at Marina Grosshoy. Brilliant. And I love your newsletter. I recommend it to everyone who's listening as well. Do sign up to 
Museum Gaze newsletter. I'll put the links to everything in the show notes. Um, but thank you so much for chatting with me today and for sharing your passion and your ideas. It's been a lovely chat. Yes. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks, Marina. Bye. Bye. So huge thanks to Marina for being on the podcast today. Hope you enjoyed our chat. Go to the show notes to find out more about Marina's work and do sign up for her newsletter. And before you go, don't forget to join our Facebook community for the podcast, The Slow Looking Club. This community makes slow looking a regular practice in your life with our weekly themes and monthly get togethers. You can look for the Slow Looking Club under groups in Facebook or you can click on the link in the show notes. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Art Engager podcast with me, Claire Bowne. You can find more art engagement resources by visiting my website, thinkingmuseum.com. And you can also find me on Instagram, at Thinking Museum, where I regularly share tips and tools on how to bring art to life and engage your audience. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share with others and subscribe to the show on your podcast player of choice. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.